Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. Today, we're diving into a little bit of a doozy topic, but I'm excited to share this wisdom with you. I do want to make a disclaimer that the bulk of what I'm talking about today is probably geared more towards people who are in ministry or church leadership. Um, obviously you're going to probably hear this if you're not in one of those categories and think, well, yeah, that applies to me too. And I would say it probably applies to all of us, but specifically it really applies to those who are in ministry in some degree. And I would include leading a small group or, um, like a Bible study in that as well, Sunday school kind of thing. But today we're talking about the three most common sins that in, end your ministry, the three most common sins that end your ministry. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I heard this piece of wisdom from another pastor. I didn't come up with this, but I heard this probably six years ago or so. And in my journey with Jesus, it has rang true time after time after time. Here's why I share this with you. If you know what the pitfalls are, you can make the changes you need to make, right? If you know what struggles are going to be coming, you can guard yourself against that. It's kind of like if you're going through an obstacle course and you know what the different parts of the course are going to be, you can train accordingly so that you don't trip up and not be able to finish the race, right? That's why I'm sharing this with you. So let's just dive right in, shall we? Three most common sins that kill your ministry. The first one, or actually we're going to say that we're going to start in, you know, three, two, one order. So the number three thing is gold. Now you're going to find that all three of these start with a G. All right. So we could say gold or money, the love of money to a point where it becomes greedy. Now let's get real for a second. Having money is not a sin. Okay. Money itself is not evil or good. Money is like a thing. It holds no inherent value. Money is a great amplifier. What does that mean? Well, that means that it's going to amplify who you really are. If you have darkness in your heart and somebody gives you a whole bunch of money, everybody else is going to start to see some of that darkness. If you have goodness in your heart and somebody begins to give you money, people are going to see that goodness. It's a multiplier of who you already are. But gold is the number three reason why ministries fail. Now we know, or maybe I should say where ministers fail. We know, we all know stories of people who embezzled money from their church, who, uh, you know, did some sort of fraud related to finances. Of course, televangelists have such a bad name because we always think that they're skimming money off the top. And sometimes they are. Judas himself, right? He was known to skim money off the top of Jesus's treasury box. So this is nothing new, but it is a big problem. Why is it a problem? Well, when we begin to see money as the solution to our challenges, we are way off track. So I'm not saying that money can't help, right? Have you heard that phrase, money can't buy happiness, and then somebody that's super rich will say, well, it sure doesn't hurt either, right? Or it definitely helps the process. Money can help our problems, but it's not the solution to our problems. 
people who end up with the sin of money taking them down, it's because they began with this thought that was like, if I had more money, then I could be more myself. I could do more of what I want. And that thought always ends with pointing a finger at God. You didn't give me something that I want. It's sort of like the older brother in the prodigal son story where he's saying, look, I've done all these things. I've slaved for you and you've never gave me a goat. You never let me have a party with my friends. That heart posture where we begin to see ourselves as like a hired hand to God, where our value begins to become not as a child, but as a worker. And when that happens and we begin to become disgruntled at the benefits that God gives, right? Like, like you're not giving me healthcare or you gave me healthcare, but you didn't give me vision and dental. Money, gold takes people out when we allow it to make us blame God for something we don't have. The solution to that, how do you guard yourself against that? Well, you make sure that you understand who you are as God's child. Not that that means you're entitled, right? We're certainly not saying that because you're God's child, you are owed a Rolls Royce or some kind of crazy thing like that. No, you get your perspective right on money. If you're listening to this and you're going, wait a second, that might be me. I might struggle with that. Well, take this as your opportunity to do some learning about it. There's a fantastic book called um, How Heaven Invades Your Finances by Jim Baker, Baker with 1K. And it's an incredible book, talks a lot about the spirit of mammon, which is the God behind money, and really helpful stuff to help you get your mentality right so that gold does not become a pitfall to you down the road. Look, it doesn't matter if you have a lot or a little. If you've got those thoughts in your mind, then money is is a threat. You got to deal with it because you don't want to be established in your reputation, in your job, or in your ministry, or as a pastor and really be desiring to have more money coming in so that you can use it on yourself. It's a big thing to think about. So that's our number three sin is gold. Number two sin. This is my opinion on the order of this, but the number two sin is guys or girls. So honestly, I would say 10 years ago when I heard this, that if you're a man pastor, we'd say it's, you know, gold and girls. And then the one we're going to talk about in a second, but these days, you know what? It's guys and girls. Cause you never really know, but here's the thing, whether it's moving outside of your marriage covenant or not having healthy boundaries, the reason why this is a sin is because you stop seeing people as people and start seeing them as objects for you to consume. Human beings are not popcorn, right? We should know this. We can't just keep eating and eating and eating and eating and assume that it has no consequences. When we step out of the bounds of how God deems godly marriage and sexual health in the context of a covenanted marriage, when we do that, we open the door for the enemy to come in in so many different ways. So in this category, we can include pornography. We can include flirtatious Uh, pushing the boundaries of flirting with people in your job. We can include even crossing the boundaries with harassment. We can include, um, you know, actually engaging in sexual acts with other people. I mean, there's a lot that you can include in this category, but the number two thing that will take somebody out is not having good boundaries with the opposite sex or with the same sex, depending on what's going on inside of your heart. You got to have good boundaries. Usually this kind of thing begins, again, feeling like you are missing out or that you have some sort of lack, blaming God for what you don't have. 
wishing that you could have something that you don't have. I don't know if you guys saw this viral video of this poor pastor guy who needs a lot of therapy talking about all kinds of crazy stuff about how he's like this middle-aged overweight guy, not a looker by any means. And I wouldn't say that except that it's important for what I'm about to say. And uh, his whole message one Sunday morning was about how important it is for women to look good, be skinny, etc. And even made a statement to say that all godly men deserve a wife that looks like Melania Trump. So many things about this statement that are so vile and awful. I mean, just on so many levels. And you're sitting there thinking, his, his, his wife, I have so much pity for his wife sitting there listening to this. And you're thinking, if he has the guts to say that publicly to his congregation, what on earth is he saying to her in the privacy of their home? Wow. It all begins, this category, with this belief that there's something better out there, that if your spouse was prettier or more trendy or whatever, that you would be better off, that you'd have a better reputation, that people would treat you with more respect or envy you or whatever the case may be. It always begins with your lack. And it begins with you feeling lack and not knowing how to deal with it with God. See, this is sort of the beginning of all evil, right? When Eve is in the garden. And the enemy is telling her, well, if you eat this fruit, you you won't die. You're not going to die. You're actually going to be like God. What is he doing? He's playing on her vision of her lack. Eve already had the likeness and image of God. She already was like God. And the enemy got her to look at what she had and see it as though it didn't have the fullness that she wanted and was able to get her to open the door. With gold and with girls and guys, this is the same root thing. Can you see that? that you don't have something that's out there and eventually you convince yourself that you're entitled to go out and take it. And I'm just here to tell you, no, you're not. You're not. So the number three sin that takes people out is gold. The number two sin that takes people out is guys and girls relationships outside of the bonds of marriage and a healthy covenant. And the final number one, I'm sure you guys are all curious about this, glory. Gold, girls, glory. This, these are the top three sins that end someone's ministry. What do I mean by glory? Well, I'm talking about ego. Now, you might be saying, you know what, that should probably go number three on the list. And it seems like when somebody has a sexual issue that that goes number one on the list. Look, I'm going to tell you that the prolific amount of men and women who are ministry leaders in the kingdom of God that struggle with their own ego, it is bar none. It's bar none. This is why when God wants to raise someone up, he raises them up by taking them low, by crushing them into what I like to call a fine powder. And he does it by hand. And it's not fast and it's very painful. And I say that not flippantly, but honestly, because that's what God does. That's how he handles his ministers. And he does it on purpose so that your ego doesn't distract from what he wants to do. We all have one. But we're invited by Jesus. In fact, we're commanded by Jesus to die to it, to shut its voice up so that it doesn't direct our lives. But what happens in our ministries, right? Our ministry leaders, our pastors that we know, what they do is sometimes when they're not, when they don't have this in check, that voice begins to grow and begins to con- like have conflict with the voice of the Holy Spirit. And one is going to give. The truth is, in the same way that Jesus says you can't serve both God and mammon, you can't serve both God and your ego. There are two conflicting voices trying to lead you in different ways. How many of us know a narcissistic leader, 
a leader that just has to be right all the time. I mean, let's be honest. Maybe it's not fair to say they're narcissistic because narcissism is a sliding scale. Everybody falls on the scale somewhere. And those that have like narcissistic disorder are on one side of the scale. But all of us, even the best, most humble people are on that scale somewhere. It's just because we all have an ego where where it's it's kind of like self-preservation to some degree. But how many of you know a leader that has no ability to make space for people that are different than them? They have no ability to celebrate and honor others and others' vision, even though it's it's it could be right. It's just different. Glory, our own need for glory, clouds what God wants to do time and time again. And I think it's the most common of the three. Because we don't do enough talking about it. We don't expose it enough. And therefore, it remains hidden in the hearts of so many people. What do you do? If you're listening to that and you're going, man, you know what? That's probably me. I, I have an overinflated sense of myself or I, I tend to think that I'm the most important person in the room. I tend to think that my ideas are the best, that other people are not going to be able to you know, keep up with me, that I'm the top, etc. If you listen to this and you think that might be me, here's what you need to know. Usually that comes from a wounded place as a child where you feel like you didn't get what you need. You didn't get, you weren't seen, you weren't celebrated. A lot of times we turn to pride and arrogance because we're masking our own deep self-hate. That's what we have to deal with, friends. That's the place we have to get honest with. If you and I are going to dismantle the number one sin that kills ministry for Jesus, it's going to be because we got honest that life does not revolve around us. We are not the beginning. We certainly won't be the end. And if we are building like Jesus, we are building by raising up other people with the freedom to be themselves. You got to have somebody in your life that you can talk to about this stuff, that you can get honest with, that you can confess and say, you know what? I think I struggle with wanting my own glory. Repent of it. I don't want my own glory to get in the way of the glory that's going to God. It's so important. So to recap, the top three sins that take out ministers and, uh, and, and really Christians altogether. Number three, gold. Number two, guys and girls. And number one, glory. Hopefully you're listening to this and thinking, I'm good. I don't struggle with all of those, any of those. But honestly, if you do think that, you might want to do a little bit of a heart check because sometimes we're blind to our own issues. If you're really serious about wanting to go deeper in your um, ministry and in your ability to impact other people, ask the people closest to you, do you think I struggle with any of these? Am I defensive when any of these come up? Because that can be an indicator that you need some healing in that area. Look, there is grace for you to turn before it becomes a problem. Take the grace, make the turn, and become all that Jesus wants you to be. The best version of yourself is the one that's the most like him, the freest, the most peaceful, the most joyful, and the one who doesn't feel lack. I don't know about you, but that's what I want for my life. It's a short and sweet episode today. Hopefully this is thought-provoking for you. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.